This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that uses actual Dern statistics for its rankings. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Week one of the college equestrian season is in the books, and we already had an exciting upset. But we're going to get to UC Davis in South Carolina in a few minutes. Before we do the meet recaps, I just want to go back into the archives and find an old interview I did with U.S. Equestrian Federation President Tom O'Mara. Tom is that really tall guy who hands out the awards at the national championships. He also bears a striking resemblance to one of the assistant coaches over at Texas A&M. Anyway, about three years ago, I had a really nice conversation with Tom, and in it, I asked him how the NCEA does their rankings. Here's the clip from that interview. How do the actual, I'm wondering, how do the actual rankings come about? Is there a committee? How does it work in college equestrian? How do those rankings happen? That's a good question. I think I listened to one of your podcasts, Elvis, when you were like, I think you might have been taking umbrage with uh, the ranking of your favorite team one week. And you're like, how did they do this? How did they do exactly. That? Oh, I take umbrage with the Farnham rankings, and that's the reason for this this question is because I want to know what's going on. Well, we have a committee, and we say, what would Elvis do? And we do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Oh, man. Oh, finally an exclusive behind the curtain. All right, so that's the well, real story. What's the story you tell everyone else? Okay, there you go definitive proof of a conspiracy against reason and good sense. Now, why would I bring all that up? Well, if you recall last week's episode, a certain costumed national equestrian analyst pointed out that based on returning talent, TCU should be ranked number one and SMU should be ranked number three. I also predicted that the NCAA rankings would have those teams reversed uh, because that's how they finished last season, and I don't think the voters really go too far into the analytics. Even though I recorded this show on Sunday, I was correct. The NCAA did put out their rankings, and sure enough, SMU was number one, TCU was number three over there. Uh, then I pointed out how, as fate would have it, those two teams were meeting in week one, so we were going to get to see which was really which. And if you can't tell by the tone of my voice and the fact that I'm going into this much detail about it, I was right, and the NCA was wrong. Which brings us to our uh, meet recast. Now first, we have the aforementioned number three SMU at number one TCU on Friday. Now, also, did you notice how I said that? I said away team at home team because I am an educated man, War Eagle. So in my predictions, I said TCU would probably win 11 to 9. So let's see how things actually went. Fences and reigning started out first. SMU has a strong set of returning starters and fences, and they won that event 3 to 2. So we kind of expected that. What we did not expect was TCU just going nuts in reigning and winning that one 4 to nothing. That put SMU in a big hole at halftime, and they just didn't have the riders to get out of it. In the second half, flat went 3-2 for TCU, and horsemanship went 4-1 for TCU. Add all of that up, and you get a convincing 12-6 victory for the number one ranked Horned Frogs. This meet kind of shows that any team that gets themselves into a position where they're really one-dimensional, as in they can only really win a lot of points in one of their disciplines, then they're going to have trouble winning these meets. Uh, basically, TCU did to SMU 
what SMU did to Auburn back in the national championship. If you remember that, Auburn didn't get but two points in the Western. Well, that's what happened to uh, SMU at TCU this weekend. So it was a big win for TCU. Uh, They're going to take this next week off, and then they're going to go on the road to Oklahoma State. For SMU, tough loss, but um, we figured it was going to take them some time to replace the talent that left from last season. And in about three weeks, they are going to host Oklahoma State, and I bet they're going to rebound there. The next meet we have to look at was away team at home team or Minnesota Crookston at Delaware State. Now, Crookston had a fair amount of new riders going into this one, plus it was on the road, so this figured to be a challenge for them. DSU is fielding one of their best teams ever, and I think I picked this one to end up 18-1 to Hornets, but it could not end up 18-1 to because this was only a 4-on-4 meet, so here's how it actually went. Basically, Delaware State just blitzed them. Uh, they swept the flat four to nothing, horsemanship four to nothing, reigning four to nothing, and they won fences three to one. So let's give a shout out to Minnesota Crookston's Alex uh, Faffenbaugh for getting her point and defending the honor of her school in fences. So this was a nice opening day win for Delaware State. Like I said, they return a lot of talent from last season, and they are hoping for a really big season. Uh, In about three weeks, they're going to get to host Baylor, so that will be huge for them. If they could get that upset, that'll really help their chances to make it down to Ocala in the postseason, so keep an eye on that one. For Minnesota Crookston, well, this was another rough outing for the Golden Eagles, um, but from the rider scores, it did appear that they have made some improvement so far this year. Uh, They just need to keep making improvement, and uh, they're going to get a big opportunity to do that when they visit South Dakota State uh, a little over a month from now. So next we have number 10, UC Davis at unranked South Carolina. In the meet previews, I felt like this one was going to be close. I predicted it going 10 to 9, and I was wishy-washy about who would be the 10 and who would be the 9. Well, here's how things went. Horsemanship and flat went first, with the Gamecocks winning horsemanship 4 to 1, and they won the flat 3 to 2. So right there, UC Davis has gotten themselves uh, into a 7 to 3 halftime hole. In the second half, Carolina would win fences 3-2, to two, which we kind of figured, but UC Davis did look really good in reigning, and they won that one 3-1. to one. So, made a little bit of comeback at the end, not enough to win it. So, the final score ended up being 11-8 to eight South Carolina. So, yes, the team that I had unranked did upset the team that I had ranked 10th. Uh, so, here's the thing. If you recall, I did say last week that the rankings are based on returning talent. And teams like South Carolina and Fresno State, who do not return a lot of talent, are really going to need to either bring in some good freshmen or have some of those less experienced upperclassmen uh, get some points. And that's what happened in this meet. Case in point, South Carolina freshman Grace Rabb. Uh, She won her point on the flat. Now, she had to beat a dang All-American to do it, too, and she did. Also, Gamecock senior Alexia Orleanto. She has a handful of starts from last season, um, but she was up against a rider who was previously a starter at SMU before transferring over to Davis, and Alexa squeezed out a victory and got a key point for her team. And both of these cases are where South Carolina had to rely on some new starters to get their points, and they did get their points. And without those two points, they would have lost this meet. So that right there is what it's going to take to beat a team that might be returning more starters than you do. That's how Carolina did it. Good job for them. So next, uh, the Gamecocks are going to host UT Martin this upcoming weekend. So we'll discuss that later on in the previews. 
for UC Davis, well, they made a short trip down to Auburn to face the number two ranked Tigers the very next day. Um, So yeah, the stats favored Auburn a lot here. In the preview, I predicted Auburn would win like 15 to 5, so let's see how it went. Flat and raining started first. Auburn won the flat 4 to 1, but UC Davis actually took raining 2 to 1. Now on paper, Auburn had a much better group, but it did not show up in the scores. So after a slow start for Auburn, the halftime score was just 5 to 3 Auburn. But in the second half, Auburn really went crazy on the Aggies. Auburn swept fences 5 to nothing and then won horsemanship 4 to 1. So the final score was 14 to 4, which when you account for the ties is pretty much the same margin as 15 to 5. So it was a big win for Auburn. Uh, It's the 32nd home win in a row for the Tigers, a new NCAA record. But more importantly, it was the first win for new head coach Jessica Braswell. So congratulations to her. And it was nice to be there at the start of a new era for Auburn's program. A really good start for the season. Got to meet a lot of the uh, UC Davis parents and the riders and stuff. That was fun, too. Now, for Auburn, there's a lot that they can get better at because, again, they didn't look as good as they should have over in raining. Um, But they did show that in addition to the starting talent they got back from last season, they do have several newcomers who are in a position to help make this team a uh, contender on the national scene. So we'll see how that goes. For UC Davis, this was kind of a rough loss. Uh, They wanted to keep it a little bit closer, but really, as the season goes on, this same kind of result could happen to lots of teams that end up visiting Auburn. So it's probably not going to kill the Aggies' chances at making it uh, to Ocala. But what it does is it it sort of shrinks the margin for error that they have. The loss at, at Carolina was really their golden opportunity, and they did not cash in on that. So, man, yeah, they're they're really not going to want to drop too many more meets that, against uh, beatable teams here going down if they want to finish in that top eight. Now, in a week, uh, they're going to travel up to uh, Minnesota uh, Crookston, and they're going to ride against uh, the Golden Eagles and South Dakota State Jackrabbits. So, Um, The Aggies will really, really need to grab those wins if they want to stay uh, relevant. Auburn is going to take a week off, and then they're going to get ready to go out and visit Baylor in Waco. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, with those meets in the record book, it is time to check in on our new segment here on the podcast, the The Golden Golden Score Sheet Award. In this competition, each team in the country starts off with 100 points, and every week I will review the official meet score sheets and deduct points from a team's score based on the number and severity of the errors that I find on those score sheets that they were responsible for. So this week as I record the podcast, I have the score sheets from everybody who hosted a meet except for um, the Minnesota Crookston at Delaware State meet. So I'm not going to make any deductions for the uh, Hornets because I haven't seen the sheet. I'll update you next week and see if there are any deductions that we'll have to go back and make for them. So for everybody else, after reviewing the score sheets, here are the current golden score sheet standings. In first place, with a score of 100, we have a tie. 
Now, of course, every school that has not hosted still has their 100 points. In first place, we have Auburn, Baylor, Delaware State, Fresno State, Georgia, Minnesota Crookston, Oklahoma State, SMU, South Dakota State, TCU, Texas A&M, UC Davis, and UT Martin. And in 14th place, with 96 points, is South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina, you messed up on your Western equivalency formula and the resulting tiebreaker totals that you used those to get. And uh, you did it for both teams, resulting in four one-point deductions. And from the way that was wrong, I think I know what happened. If you remember last week when I went on about a 10-minute long rant um, where I broke down uh, how the Western equivalency formula works and how some of the numbers in it change based on the number of riders and the number of judges that you have there at the meet, well, their Western equivalency number was a negative number, which should never happen. And when it does happen, it's typically because you used a formula as if you had lots of judges in the meet and you only really only had one. Um, and I think what happened is the last meet that South Carolina hosted was the SEC championship uh, back in March. And that meet had three judges. But, of course, Friday's meet only had one judge. So I bet that they had used the formula from the March score sheets instead of the correct ones uh, that should have only had just for one judge. But regardless, it was wrong, and they lost points for it. So let that be a lesson to you other hosts from last season's conference tournaments, like Oklahoma State and UT Martin. You better make sure that you are using the score sheets with formulas for just one judge, not three, at your next home meets. I would also like to point out that no team took me up on my offer for five bonus points if you correctly placed the home team on the right side of the score sheet. If South Carolina, for example, had done that, not only would it have made up for those four mistakes that they made, they would also be leading the nation in the contest with 101 points. But, oh well, that's how it goes. So, now that we've had some actual meets, let's take a look at their impact on the weekly equestrian rankings. Even though we had a few meet, the rankings aren't going to change a whole lot. There are still a lot about these teams that we just don't know, so we're really just trying to shift around the teams that won and lost this past week. So, here we go. Number one is, of course, TCU. The Horned Frogs made believers out of anybody who does not listen to this podcast as to why they deserve to be the number one team in the nation. And after that big victory over SMU, I'd say there's probably only about a 50-50 chance that the NCAA ranking voters won't put them at number one. (laughs) But, you know, even if they do, you know, I'm not sure they're going to get much right. The voters just don't pay attention. (laughs) Anyway, moving right along with the rankings, the good rankings. Number two is the same team as last week, Auburn. The Tigers beat an overmatched UC Davis team in Auburn just like they were supposed to. And unless the national championship somehow gets moved to Auburn this April, the Tigers are just going to have to be content with being in that penultimate position in the rankings. Now, number three was a bit tricky. I had SMU at number three last week, and you would not expect the number three team to go on the road and beat the number one team, and they did not. But I think even still, SMU underperformed relative to their talent. So instead of the Mustangs, Georgia is the new number three team this week. Also, if you recall from last week, both Georgia and SMU returned pretty much equal amounts of talent from last season. So I think that 
plus SMU's slight underperformance against TCU is enough to slide the Bulldogs up to number three. Now, number four is SMU. As I just said, SMU and Georgia are both close on paper, but so far, SMU looks to have more work to do to maximize their talent. Um, But after this past weekend, landing at number four isn't that bad of a result for the Mustangs. Number five is Baylor. The Bears are loaded on the jump and seat side and are rebuilding most of their Western lineup from last season. Now, earlier in the podcast here tonight, you'll recall that I warned teams about the dangers of being one-dimensional. Well, I hope you ladies were paying attention to that, Bears. Now, number six is Texas A&M. The Aggies have a solid bunch of returning starters, but whether or not they can rise in the rankings will depend on how they develop their less experienced upperclassmen and the strength of their new freshmen. Number seven is Oklahoma State. Yeehaw! Like the teams around them, the Cowgirls have yet to ride, so we'll keep them where they are based on their returning talent. Number eight is South Carolina. (laughs) With their showing on Friday, their returning talent improved their stats just enough to jump up to the number eight spots. Basically, it was Alexia Aureliano again. She she goes from having four starts to five starts now, which hits that minimum cutoff that I use when I measure whether some uh, someone is a returning starter. And so now she is. And plus uh, some of the improvements that we saw in some of the other riders. Basically, it bumped South Carolina up from their average where they were last week with uh, 6.3 returning points for their starters up to about seven and a half now. Really good weekend for South Carolina statistically. So yeah, now they're the number eight team right behind Oklahoma State. And that means that number nine is Delaware State. Now, I was tempted to leave the Hornets at number eight until someone actually beats them. But like I said, we're basing almost everything right now on returning starters and returning talent. And South Carolina just moved the needle on those stats. Uh, But the Hornets are still the same team they were a week ago. We just need the chance to see them do something in the ring. And the number 10 team is UT Martin. The Skyhawks have yet to ride, so they're living off their returning starters just like a bunch of teams right now. And until they ride, they're a little bit at the mercy of the teams around them that have ridden. So, those are the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian rankings. Once again... It's a total crapshoot as to where the NCAA is going to put these teams. They could over or underreact to anything, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, They might have TCU, Auburn, and South Carolina in the top three. Who knows? Um, But I just told you where the teams really are, so take whatever the NCAA rankings do with a grain of salt. All right, so before we finish up, let's look into the future with With some some neat previews. previews. UT Martin at South Carolina. This Friday, the Skyhawks are going to square off against the team that a week ago was ranked two spots below them and now is suddenly ranked two spots above them. In fences, Carolina should win that 3-2 or even 4-1. The flat will be a toss-up with each team probably getting two points. In horsemanship, the Gamecocks look to have a slight edge, so we're going to say that turns into a 3-2 victory there. And in reigning, it looks like another 2-2 toss-up. So, Adding all of that up, I think we're going to see South Carolina win this one either 10-8 to or 11-8. to 
Also on Friday, we have Baylor at Texas A&M. These two teams are very close from returning talent level, but with this one in College Station, the Aggies might be able to pull off the upset. Here's how I expect the events to go. The jumping seat is Baylor's bread and butter, so look for them to rack up points there. I think fences will go 3-2 or 4-1 for the Bears. Likewise, on the flat, I think it will also be won by Baylor 3-2 or even 4-1. So now we go on over to the Western events. Here, A&M has the edge, but how much is that going to be? Well, in horsemanship, I think A&M wins 3-2 or maybe 4-1. And in reigning, I think A&M will take at least three points, but could win four or even sweep the event. So, this one is going to come down to whichever team maximizes their strength and steals just enough points from the other team's stronger discipline. And I think that's going to be Texas A&M. I think the Aggies will win either 10-9 or in a 10-10 tiebreaker. So we need to all hope that they're going to get their Western equivalency formula correct over there in College Station. All right, UT Martin at Georgia. The final meet of the weekend, Saturday's contest between the Skyhawks and the Bulldogs. Georgia's going to be favored in this one. I think UT Martin is going to have to ride at their best to keep this one from getting away from them. I think Georgia is going to absolutely rock on fences. They're going to win 4-1 to one or even sweep at 5 nothing. On the flat, Bulldogs should do almost as well, winning either 3-2 or 4-1. In horsemanship, neither team looks like world beaters, so we're going to say that this is a 2-2 tie. And in reigning, I think UT Martin has the best chances for some points, and this one could probably end up 3-2 for them. So, adding everything up, it looks like we're going to see a big Georgia victory, probably 12-7 or 13-6. But as always, no one really knows what's going to happen. That's why you got to get back here in in another week and listen to all this all over again. And I'll be right here bringing you up to speed on so much college equestrian action that you are going to be overqualified to vote in the NCEA rankings. So that's all for this episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.